you're staying in here with me, Romans chapter 6 is where we'll be this evening. Romans chapter 6 is where we'll begin, but before we make it to the scripture, I want to say a few things uh, about what we're talking about. This is going to be part three of the Great Awakening. The message and the focus tonight in this series we're doing is awakening and returning to sound doctrine. When the Lord awakens His people, He he awakens them to His Word, His words that are sound and sure and that we can depend on. And We don't want to be like Israel of old, which we have been and we can be. We don't want to be like Israel of old that... The Lord reached, and you can read these things in the book of Isaiah, the Lord reached a point with Israel where he said, I'm sick of your sacrifices. They nauseate me. I'm sick of your feast days. The things he gave them to do to honor and worship him, he said, I'm sick of all of it. He was was disgusted with them because they were going through the motions, but he did not have their hearts. And this is what we're talking about in this series of messages. The great awakening is when God gets your heart again according to the Scriptures, not under what our terms and our own opinions and our own thoughts. And whenever there's a, a great awakening of the Lord, it's always the Lord bringing His people back to sound doctrine. And there's so much unsound teaching in the church today. For example, there's a teaching right now that's starting to take hold in the church about Christians having demons and being possessed and all that stuff. It's very unscriptural, very unscriptural. Uh, these, these, are, these are people, I'm not being ugly, but these are Christians who do not understand sound doctrine. They do not understand the cross, which you have to understand the cross to understand or for any doctrine to be sound. You have to understand the cross, not just for salvation, but as it pertains to your day-by-day living and understanding all of the Word of God. So these people get carried off because they don't want to say they're lost, so they'll just say they're saved and full of the devil. Or they don't know the, 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 the truth about the sin nature, and they don't know how the cross of Christ really does work in their life moment by moment. And any great awakening by the Lord among His people is always going to be bringing them back to the place where their heart can be right with Him. That's always the sacrifice. That's always a focus on the promise of the Redeemer, the the Lamb slain. And so uh, that's what... Any awakening is about. We, uh, over the last 25 to 30 years, the Lord through Brother Swaggart, sometime back in 96, 97, began to, through the platform that he had, uh, minister the focus of the, the cross, the message of the cross. And, uh, and it began to make people free that would hear that sound doctrine and they would become free. And many of them would leave places where they were gathered in dead places and churches that were sleeping, preachers sleeping and dead according to the scriptures. And they and all these churches now preaching the cross is really the result of a part of this great awakening. 
That it is a great awakening. It is a reformation. It is coming back to the place where God honors. He don't honor two places. He honors one place. And we'll see it in Scripture tonight. And we'll see this. So we know we have awakened when we've returned to the place where we are found yielding ourselves servants to obedience which is unto righteousness. And we'll see that in the Scriptures here in just a minute. It's the same place we began. And that's what we do. We go back to where we began or we do not return to a true heart for the Lord ever. We might, go, we might be out of church for 10 years and all of a sudden be excited about being in church again or being around people who have Bibles now. And, but that doesn't mean we've returned to the Lord. If we return to the cross, we've returned to the Lord. Not until then. I was in church. I was in church for many years, even in pulpits everywhere, teaching and preaching. And, and I'm telling you, folks, I, for 10 years after the Lord got a hold of me as a child of God and brought me out of the world and put me back in among the people of God, put me in the Word, it would be 10 more years before I would learn to apply the Word. Now, I could, I could memorize it, and I could bring Scriptures together from every direction about your issue, whatever your problem was, but it would be 10 years before the Lord taught me how this is applied which is through faith in the sacrifice. That's the legal ground that the Holy Spirit works, and He does not work outside of that according to the Scriptures, Romans 8 and 2. It's a legal process. What God did at Calvary in His Son was a legal work, and it's judicial, and it's... And it's and it's, uh, it's military, if I might say that. Jesus is the captain of your salvation. You're called a good soldier. You're armed with armor as a soldier. It is a, it is a military thing. It is a judicial thing. That's why God said you've been justified. You're just. But it's all because of your faith in Christ and what he did at Calvary. So we have to return to where we began. And when people do... I don't mean some church you went to when you started. I mean where God saved you, which was at the cross. That's where he saved you at Calvary. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 and 13 that we have been made nigh. We've been brought near to God by the blood. No other way did we come near to God but by the blood. All the stuff that was going on and God might have been convicting and God might have been prodding and pointing and all these things and I feel like he was, but you didn't actually show up where God was until he brought you near by the blood, your faith in the sacrifice. So we have to go back to where we started. This is the place where we began glorying in the cross and the cross alone. We began in the Spirit. Galatians chapter 3 tells us that when we began our journey with the Lord, when we were born again, we began in the Spirit because of our faith in the sacrifice. That's when we began. So we began in the Spirit in the sound doctrine which made all doctrine and us sound. When you were born again, God gave you a spirit of love, power, and of a sound mind. 
And the reason Christians are uh, lacking the peace they need and they're disturbed and they're oppressed and all the other things that go with all of that negativity is because they don't know how to walk where they began. God gave you a sound mind when you started out. I said the Bible says God gave you a sound mind when you started out. Amen. So we began in the spirit, in the sound doctrine, which made all doctrine and us sound. And that's 2 Timothy 1 and 7 is a scripture that tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear. And that's what brings all the, the oppression and all the disturbance and all the confusion is fear does that. But soundness of mind keeps you on the journey, on the path. And unless we continue in that which we began, which we began, we will not be able to function with the sound mind we were given when God made us sound in Christ Jesus. When you were born again, you were given a sound mind. Amen. You didn't, you didn't start working toward a sound mind. You received a sound mind. Now, you have to study the Word to know all these things. That's why we're told to study the Word. So we'll know these things because just going through life nonchalantly, well, God knows I love Him and I know He loves me. You're going to be in a world of mess if that's all you got going and you don't have Scripture. You mean God's love's not enough? God's love's enough, but you'll pervert it if you don't know the Scriptures. You'll pervert it if you don't know the Scriptures. The word sound means unperverted, uncorrupted, unmixed. Sound means it's sound. It's sure it will stand. That's why God gave you a sound mind when he saved you. And if you stand in the place he put your feet when he saved you in the liberty wherewith Christ made you free through faith in the sacrifice, your mind will be a sound mind. You will learn to function with that sound mind you were given. The sound mind is just like the armor we received. We have to learn how to use it. Amen. People join the military, they don't just give them a, 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 a weapon and say, well, go out there and figure it out yourself. They teach them, they train them, and then they send them out. And that's why the Bible says, the Lord tells us to study the Word. Amen. It is the sword of the Spirit. It is your weapon. And if you don't know it, you have no weapon. Amen. Instead of, instead of your foot being on the devil's neck, his will be on yours. Hmm. Let me read that again. Unless we continue in that sound doctrine which we began, we will not be able to function with the sound mind we were given when our God made us sound in Christ Jesus. Nor will we be able to be found renewing our minds to experience the will of the God. Will of God. That's Romans 12 and uh, 2 there where it says, Be not conform to this world, but be ye therefore transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And when the Bible says that your mind is to be renewed, that means you have to go back to where it was made new. 
you have to go back to Calvary. As we've talked about for many years, especially lately, the Lord has shown us the cross is the dressing room. The cross is, you have to, listen, many times we find ourselves trusting in something other, depending on something other than what Jesus did at Calvary. And I'm telling you, whatever that might be, it is unsure, it is unsound, and it will cause devastation in our lives. We received a sound mind because we believed a form of doctrine that was sound. And we're going to look at that tonight here in Romans chapter 6. Verse 16 through 18 is where we'll begin in the Word. Romans 6, verse 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield. Everybody say yield. Hmm. Y'all know what that word means, right? I have to make sure because I know here in America when we have a yield sign out there on the highway, folk don't know what it means. It's like it ain't there. I was in the Philippines. I think it might have been the year that Robin was there. And everywhere we went, it was packed out. I mean, packed out. People everywhere. And they just had to make little aisles down the rows. And and uh, and I was trying to use this word, yield, who yield yourselves. And they were all looking funny. And, and I said, okay, I'll just do an example. I, I, somebody, I had somebody come up, and I said, let's both try to fit down this little aisle at one time. And I said, we can't do it. And they said, oh, give way to Give way to. That's what they called yield, and that's true. Whoever you give way to, whoever you're serving, whoever you're yielding to, and we are at every moment of our lives. We're trusting in something every moment. So the Bible says, don't you know that to whom you yield yourself servants, how do we yield? To obey. Obey. His servants you are to whom you obey whether of sin, meaning the sin nature, which is unto death, which means a non-fruit-bearing place, no fellowship, no fellowship. It's a non-fruit-bearing place. When I'm serving the sin nature, which means I'm trusting in something other than Christ and what he did at Calvary, I cannot bear any fruit spiritually because the Holy Spirit won't work in that. Everybody, everybody understand that? The Holy Spirit will not work in me and through me when I'm not trusting in what allowed him to begin the work in me in the beginning. He has to find my faith in the cross. If he don't, he, the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of grace, cannot do what he does as the spirit of grace in my life. And people who don't believe this are living make-believe, vain, imaginative lives. And they do not know what liberty and freedom really is because they're making things up as they go. They say, well, I don't have to know all this. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You have to know all this. Are you telling God you don't need to know all this? He put it in the Bible for you to know. And if you don't know and understand Romans 6, you don't know how to live for God. You don't know how to live for God. I'm not being ugly. It's just I'm speaking from experience. If you don't know and understand how Romans 6 teaches us to live for God, then you're not living for God except on your own terms. You're going to church, but that's what you're doing. 
You're reading your Bible, but that's what you're doing. Well, those are good things. Yes, they are. But if your faith is not in the sacrifice, that means your faith is in you going to church and in you reading the Bible. And your faith can never be in what you're doing because you're doing it. You might say, well, no, the Holy Spirit's doing it. No, he's not. No, he's not. Not if your faith is not in the sacrifice. It is a legal work. And outside of that legal means of the new covenant that's only found in the blood of Jesus and your faith therein, he can't work. If he did, then Jesus wouldn't be telling Sardis, the church there, in Revelation 3 and 1, that they're dead. He wouldn't be knocking on the door to get back in fellowship with the church of Laodicea. It would just all be working, but it doesn't all just work. And when the church hears this, they go, well, I don't believe that. That ain't what my grandma believed, and she was good with God. You should have heard her pray. And people get mad about that. And I'm telling you, people, religious people, religious people, they override the scriptures of truth with experiences they have. And your experience is nothing if you can't confirm it with scripture. Amen. Well, you're just not going to tell me that wasn't God. I'm not going to tell you anything but what the Bible says, and that's between you and him what happens after that. Amen. Watch this now. Let's read this again. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey. You're, you and I, we, we obey at all times. We're obeying one of the two. The sin nature that's unto a non-fruit-bearing place, death, the Bible calls it, or of obedience unto righteousness, which means our faith is in the obedient one and what he did that was unto righteousness for us. There's only two options. There's not a third. There's two places, your faith. Amen. But God be thanked that you were, that's past tense because we're now saved, we were the servants of the sin nature, but you have obeyed from the heart. What would you do? You obeyed from the heart. You obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. That form of doctrine was sound doctrine that made you free from sin. And any teaching, which is what the word doctrine means, any teaching, any doctrine that's not touching that sound doctrine, that form of sound doctrine that saved you is perverting you and corrupting you. No matter what we're preaching out of the Word, and i got to say this tonight, I, I love to read. I love to read commentary. I love to read books. I, I'm always reading. I'm always reading. I mean, I'll read a page here, read a page there. I'll read a page here. I'll be going somewhere and grab a book and read a page there. I'm just always reading, and I love to read because I love to study the Word and learn the, the truth of the Word. And, I, and I, Man, and I'm not being ugly tonight, but there is more... There is more books out there telling you what to do and what not to do that never mention the right object of faith. And the people, they're paralyzed, they're bound, they're unstable, they're all mixed up, they're confused. It's this this week and that next week. And, 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 you know, and then, then, it's, then it's the next month, it's five different things and the church is spinning, they're dizzy, they're confused because they're, they're just being told what to do and what not to do. And, and, and all those things, they use scripture to do that, but they never point to Calvary. They never tell you how those things get done. 
They ne- the, the book's that thick. And this one guy, you probably wouldn't even know him. He's, 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 he's got, a, he's got a, it's a brand new line of commentary out, and most of you probably wouldn't even recognize his name. He's somebody that most of us don't even know. But in his books, and, and they have beautiful covers on the front of them, and, and they have uh, uh, just the way it's worded and, and, and put together, it's just beautiful. And, and the stories that are told in there, we can use the stories that are in there. We can re- read uh, truths about, and I'm reading the commentary on Isaiah by this particular individual right now. And what he's saying, showing the scriptures there, it's just very interesting and and very uh, it's very interesting to me, and it's and it's being a blessing to me. But then I get over here uh, about how he's talking about, you know, God was so unpleased with Israel and and just heartbroken over Israel, and 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 then he begins to relate that to today's church, and he never points to Calvary. He, he never points to Calvary. He just starts talking about what you need to be doing. You need to start loving people. You, you need to be in church, and you need to do this. And all, those things are true. But can't, none of those things he's telling you to do is, is how you live for God. It's what you do once you learn how to live for God. It's what you do because the Spirit of God then can work those things in you and through you. You can't, you can't just see something, somebody tell you to do it, and you go do it without the Holy Spirit. And it's so sad because this guy, he's becoming very popular in this certain denomination. And, uh, and he just, I mean, people are, the guy told me in the bookstore in Texarkana, he said, oh, this is the hottest thing selling right now. And, I, and now I'm reading it, and I'm like, well, I can see why. I can see why. Because it's where the church is. The hottest thing selling among that denomination now doesn't have the answer in it as far as how to, how to live for God, how to live in victory, how these things are carried out he's telling you to do. It's so sad. And, and many times, if, well, all the time, if you don't know the way of the cross for day-by-day living, step-by-step walking with the Lord, uh, you're going to be saying things that are hypocritical from a hypocritical stance your own self. Because if you don't know how to live for God as far as sanctification by the, by the way of the cross, and then you can tell somebody about the gospel and get them saved, but after that you can't help them. You can't help them. You can be nice to them. You can give them a sandwich and a bottle of water, but you can't help them spiritually. You can't help a preacher can't help you spiritually unless he's pointing you with the scriptures to Calvary. That's all the Bible does. How many people say, well, I don't see that? One of the prophets of the Old Testament said, in seeing they see not, in hearing they hear not. It's there. Jesus said the Scriptures testify of him. That was before anything was ever written in the New Testament. Hmm. Notice this phrase here in verse 17 of Romans 6. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, the sin nature, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. That is the message of the cross. It's the gospel. It's the story of God sending his son to die on the cross for you so you could be saved from your sins and not just saved from the guilt and shame of your sins, but learn to live in the victory of Christ over 
the bondage of the sin nature in your life. Amen. This is the great awakening taking place right now. Men will try to shut it down. Everywhere you go, men will try to shut it down. They'll call you names, and, 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 you, and I've, noti- I've noticed something about this message. Whenever you're standing in this message, it never fails. People want to rush on the scene and say, y'all need to be preaching love. This is a message of love. God's trying to wake his people up so they can see really and truly just how much he loves them. Amen. Because the more you realize how much God loves you, the more you're going to love him, and the more you love him, the more you're going to trust him. Amen. So we're talking about sound doctrine being that which God returns his people to during the great awakening. And it's really what the message of the cross has done for those who have heeded this word. Millions have not. Let me say that tonight. Millions have not. Millions of Christians have said, don't need that. That saved me, don't need it. I said it at first, and thanks be to God, he did something, and I see it now. But millions have said, we're good. Amen. But when the Lord brings the focus of the lamb, the focus of the sacrifice back on the scene, what he begins to do is he begins to give understanding of the word. You remember Jesus walking on the road to Emmaus with two disciples after he was raised from the dead. And the Bible says there in Luke 24, 44 through 46 or 7 there that he opened the eyes of their understanding and said, the Son of Man must come suffer and die and be raised. All revelation of the Scriptures come through Jesus Christ crucified, buried, and resurrected. If we're not looking through that, we're just men passing scriptures around to each other. But when we start looking through the blood of Jesus, the Holy Spirit starts giving us the understanding of God's Word, which is sound doctrine. Let's look now, if we could, at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, and I want to read what I've got written over these scriptures I'm about to read. Awakening to our escape from the bondage of the law and the proper way to legally use the good law. The good law. The law is good. Amen. The law is good. I think a lot of people have thrown the law out when we came to the cross, but the law is not to be thrown out. The Bible calls it good, and we'll see that here. 1 Timothy 1, verse 8. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. That's only rightly so, isn't it? If you use the law unlawfully, it ain't good. If you use the law lawfully, then the law, you'll find its purpose to be good. Verse 9, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man. How many righteous folk we got in here tonight? Amen. Law ain't made for you. It was when you were lost. But it ain't made for you now because Jesus has become the end of the law for righteousness. Amen. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, 
for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. Now, I want us to look at the words in the first part of verse 9 tonight that say, knowing this, that the law is made for, and then go down to the end of verse 10, anything that is contrary to sound doctrine. You might have to go home and think about this tonight. But the law lists all the things that it's made for, not all the things, but many of the things that it's made for here. The sinners bound in sin. Sinners bound in sin. But in verse 10, it says that the law is also made for anything that is contrary to sound doctrine. The law is made for anything that's not faith in the sacrifice. That's why there's no law against the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. There's no law against the fruit of the Spirit. The law is against anything that's contrary to sound doctrine. So these folk running around talking about Christians got demons and devils in them. The law's the law. Law's made for all that. Sorry. Don't get hung up in any of that now. Because they don't have any scripture for it. And I've noticed it. While we're, while we're sidetracking on that for a minute, there's no scripture, so they start using words like demonology. That ain't in the Bible. See, inst- you, 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 you'll know sound doctrine. It, it, you'll know doctrine that's not sound, but only if you know what is sound. You won't, you won't, you'll be caught off guard and carried off, and the winds of all this stuff will blow you away if you don't know what is sound doctrine. I know, I speak from experience. You can be blowed all over the place. Every wind of what? Doctrine that comes through town, you'll just jump on it and ride it on out. That preacher done made me mad anyway. I'm going with something new. You're gone, you'll be back. Christians go out there and they do dumb stuff, and then they say, hmm, I'm going back where it was sound, safe, secure, hallelujah, at the cross. Hmm. The law is made for anything that is contrary to sound doctrine. It says it right there in your Bible. Any doctrine that is not tied to Calvary's cross is not sound doctrine. Any word that comes out of this Bible and is put on the table for the people of God, if it's not tied to the sacrifice, it, can't do, it cannot produce soundness in your life. What made you sound is your faith in that form of doctrine that saved your soul. And any teaching that does not have that as a part of it, it's perverted, it's corrupt. Even though it comes out of the Word of God, he that speaks truth shows forth righteousness, but a false witness, deceit. That means something that looks right, sounds right, 
but it's not right. And it won't do that which is right in your life. It'll, you can follow the man, you can follow the whoever, but you won't be following sound doctrine if you're listening to people who are not tying the Scripture to the one who said the Scriptures are about him. Amen. Any doctrine that is not connected to that form of doctrine that made us sound with God and gave us our sound mind is not good. It's not good. I speak from experience. I'm not talking about something that I hope I'm right. I, I, I came out of all that. And I didn't just decide to get up and get out. God brought me out of all that through many trials, many tolls, many snares. God brought me out of all that. Let's look at another scripture tonight. I don't have that many, so we'll get out of here on time tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. Turn that air up, would you? 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. For the time will come, let me say it to you folks, the time has come, when they will not endure sound doctrine. And this is, let me say it tonight, the great awakening. Every time God awakens his people, he brings them back to the place they endure sound doctrine. Because what made us go to sleep or what makes us dead, and both of those are described among the church in the New Testament, what makes us a sleeper dead is not enduring sound doctrine. Thinking I'm good and I'll just, I can do this. I, well, I don't quite like the way he puts it. I, I'm going, I, you know, I, don't care who, I don't care who you're listening to. It's got to be the word in the light of the living word and what he did is the Lamb of God. If that's not it, my friends, you are already giving ear to something that may be right, but it cannot be applied. Brother Dewey said, some powerful words to me two or three months ago. I was telling him, I don't even know who the man was on YouTube. You know how YouTube, you just sometimes you hear, you look at something and you say, oh, I want to hear that. And, and this guy was preaching or teaching, if you want to call it that. And, uh, and, but everything he was saying was right. Everything he was saying, it's like this commentary I'm reading right now. Everything this guy is saying is right. But Brother Dewey, I was telling him about it, and Brother Dewey said, it's what he's not saying. It's what he's not saying. It's what you're not hearing. It's what the church is not hearing that's keeping them paralyzed. It's what the church is not hearing that's keeping them dead or asleep or not, not enduring sound doctrine because it's what they're not hearing. 
If you're not hearing the message of the cross, I've been saying it for 18 years, and I won't back up from it. I believe it's of the Lord with all my heart. There can be 10,000 sermons, but the message in every sermon must be Christ crucified. You must point to the Lamb. In your own personal Bible study, the Holy Spirit is trying to show you Christ crucified. He's trying to show you the cross because if he can't show you that, he can't conform you into that, and that that is what you're being made conformable to. The question is for me, just how often do I want to experience the transforming power of the Holy Spirit to be being made more like my Jesus as who he was when he was dying? Because the door didn't open to us during the earthly miracle working uh, ministry of Jesus. The door opened to us when he died. That's why we're not justified by his virgin birth or his miraculous power. Thank God for all of it, and it all had to happen. But his death opened the door. And his death allowed God to reach out and declare his righteousness, and it allows us to place our faith within the opening of that one door. That's why faith can't be in nothing else. The door that opened was the death of Jesus. You got your faith in that door or you don't have the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ functioning in your life. Amen. For the time will come and it has come and it has far been since it has come. They will not endure sound doctrine. Why? Why won't we endure sound doctrine? But after their own, my own lust, I'm going to heap to myself teachers uh, uh, because I just have itching ear. I just want to hear the word. Don't start talking about that cross stuff because that's the applicable place of death. You don't need to talk about the cross all the time. Then you can't talk about Jesus all the time. Mm. See, there is a great awakening. There is a great awakening. Amen. And the more you're involved in what the Spirit of God do, is doing in this great awakening, this great move of salvation and sanctification, which has always been available, the more you're involved in that, the more you are becoming determined to know nothing but this. You're going to come under attack. Attack for what? To leave sound doctrine. And you'll still be able to tell everybody lots of scriptures that are right. But if you leave the cross, they're not right for you. They're right. The word of God is right. But all God's works are done in truth. See that? Psalms 33, 4. The word of God is right. But all his works are done in the truth of that word. And the truth of that word is the gospel. Mm. Y'all all right tonight? Y'all ain't just woke up and realized y'all was in a cross-preaching church. Y'all been in it for a long time. You see, we got a lot of empty chairs. Some of y'all thinking about making some more empty ones. That's all right. We got other people coming from everywhere they coming. People hungry. People tired of all this men stuff and money stuff. They just want the gospel truth. Hallelujah. Might not be many, but there's Jesus said there'd be a few. Hallelujah. Amen. 
Titus chapter 1, verse 9, we're told how to hold fast the faithful word. Titus chapter 1, verse 9 tells us to hold fast the faithful word as he has been taught. See, in the beginning you were taught. In the beginning you were taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort, which means to encourage, and to convince the gainsayers. Now that last part's where we start kind of Tucking little run, I'm you know, getting away from that. And the preacher, he's trying to, he's trying to, and my preacher, he's trying to convince the gainsayers a little bit too much for me. Listen, if we are by sound doctrine, sound doctrine, if we are by sound doctrine encouraging, then we also are attempting to convince the gainsayers. We know that we can't talk anybody into anything. But we can preach and teach sound doctrine. Which all, let me just say it, it is never without touching the redemption. It's never without that, ever, ever. They call us Baptists, call us what you will. Well, this just ain't too Pentecostal, is it? It's more Pentecostal than you know. You read the book of Acts and you look at what's called Pentecost today and you come back and tell me about six months after studying the book of Acts and you tell me, are we doing what the Acts says or are them folks today out there called Pentecost doing what the book of Acts said? Because the book of Acts says they went about preaching Jesus. They didn't preach Pentecost every time they had a chance to preach. We can get real ignorant, can't we? Go to a meeting of 500 Pentecostal full of the Spirit people and think we need to preach Pentecost. Why? Why? That's not the power of God. The power of God is the preaching of the cross, my Bible says. My goodness. I tell you, we're, we're, having to, we're having to relearn the Bible because we've been so brainwashed and duped and seduced. I'm telling you, we have. We've listened to comments through the years that we just accepted as right just because we, we, we like the person. We do that, don't we? Yes, we do. We listen to comments and we, it, we never even think about them not being right. Because we like the person. We respect the person. We honor the person. They've taught us some good things, so it doesn't really matter now what they say. And through the years, and I could tell you some of those quotes tonight, some of you'd get up and leave, but they ain't right. But we just accept them because we like them or they have taught us some good things. And Amen. It ain't about the men. It's about the truth. Amen. Let me say this tonight. Crossway Church was established on a message. Nothing else. Nothing else. Mama didn't tell, call me and tell me to start a church. Robin didn't even want to start a church. Here we are 18 years later. This church right here was planted based on the truth of the gospel, the message of the cross. Amen. 
And this, this, the, if, you, if you're wondering who the people are that just want to sit around and they, they heap to themselves preachers and teachers with itching ears, it's, it's, it's all this love stuff. Just t- ain't nothing wrong with talking about the love of God, but if you're not talking about Calvary mixed with that, you just in the flesh, honey. You're in the flesh. And when this great awakening takes place with the focus of Calvary, people who don't want to go that way, they just instantly start, to, well, we just need to love each other. And we do. But they're trying to get out of the focus. Amen. Because the focus of the lamb, as Scotty Williams said, it's a wrecking ball. Message of the cross wrecks your fleshly life. Amen. But it brings true life, which is the life of Christ. Last scripture, let me read this. Awakening to the reality of speaking the things that become sound doctrine is really just coming back to what makes all doctrine sound, what made you sound. Titus chapter 2, verse 1. Titus chapter 2, verse 1. We are told, yes, we are. But speak you the things that become sound doctrine. What is it that makes God's Word sound? What Jesus did at Calvary. That's what makes God's Word sound. Do you ever, have you ever thought about there doesn't really even need to be a Bible if, if we had not sinned in the garden? When we sinned in the garden, God rushed into the garden and He began to preach the gospel to Adam and Eve. And he was actually preaching to the devil. They were there listening, but he said, the seed of the woman going to crush your head. You'll bruise his heel, but he'll crush your head. The seed of the woman, he's talking about a virgin birth. Women don't have a seed. Only one did, and her name was Mary. And crushing the head of the enemy and bruising the heel of the seed of the woman. That's talking about the Savior who would die on Calvary's cross, who was bruised for our sins and iniquity. And who crushed the devil's head, the devil's authority. He took the power of death away from the devil through his own death on Calvary's tree. So it takes the cross to make any doctrine sound. If, it, if, if we're not trusting in Jesus Christ and Him crucified, and I mean literally, deliberately, and consciously from our hearts at all times, then the Word of God just becomes lawful for us to try to do what the Word says. You know, James says, don't just be hearers of the Word, but be doers. Well, what part of it are you supposed to be doing? If you're not hearing the redemption, the Lamb, the cross, In the messages of the word that you hear, how is there going to be any doing when the Holy Spirit doesn't work outside of your faith in the cross? And if it if if our hearts don't touch Calvary and they won't if we're not being if it's not being preached to us, we'll leave church and say, Well, I gotta try harder. Well, we surely need to work on this. Well, uh, you know, and 
you try to do better, I'll try to do better. We're thinking, I'll do better if she does better. Without, without touching the sacrifice with our hearts, we cannot be doers of the word. So we hear the word preached, we hear it, but how do I go do it now? Because I'm told if I don't do the word I hear, I'm deceiving my own self. That's what James wrote. So to keep from deceiving myself, I must hear the word in the light of Calvary's Christ. Because he is the only one who can really do the word. He is the word. So let me close this tonight. Speak thou the things that become sound doctrine. If you're going to open your Bible up, which all of the Bible is sound teaching. All of it is the sound word of God. But what makes it that way is Jesus and what he did as the lamb on the cross. A lot of people tell you, I know God loves me, and they're as confused and paralyzed and dead and asleep as a Christian can be. But they'll tell you, I know God loves me. I knew God loved me. I've told you the story a thousand times in that warehouse there in Atlanta. I said, God, I know you love me. That's all I do know. And I was confused. I didn't know anything else. But I know you love me, God. But I was a mess even though I knew God loved me. You understand what I'm trying to say to you? You can know God loves you and be in a mess. I'll just let you sit there and think about it then. You can know God loves you and be in a mess, be confused, be oppressed. But God will send a measure just like he did unto me and just like he did unto you. I'm learning something new. We got about six minutes. You know, the Bible says the Lord, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. And he shows them, who's them, those that fear him, his covenant. And just yesterday, as my writing right now, in my commentary writing is in Psalms 55, there's a verse that David wrote in Psalms 55 that says, they don't fear you because they won't change. See, the fear of the Lord is tied to a heart that wants to change. Not everybody wants to change. Psalms 50 verse 23 says, He that offers me praise glorifies me. He that orders his, his, his conduct aright will I show the salvation of God. You know what the word show means? When he says, those that fear him, he will show them his covenant. Let's look at it. I, I want you to see this. Psalms 25, 14. I got a couple minutes. I want to make sure I get this definition right. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them. Look at this. The show them means to cause them to know his covenant. So the Lord is opening up the scriptures. He's making it very simple to see how to be saved, how to live saved, and who those are that fear the Lord. Let's look at that right quick. Psalms uh, 55, it's in one of them verses I'm writing right now. Uh, let's see. 
What verse? 19, it sounds right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God shall hear, Psalms 55, 19. God shall hear and afflict them, talking about the evil ones who are attacking him, even he that abides of old, Selah. Because they have no changes, because they do not change, therefore they fear not God. God sees the hearts that will change. Do you know the scripture, is it Psalms 37, 4? that says, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Do you know what the word delight means? A heart that's been made pliable and moldable. God sees the heart. People running all over the place say, well, God knows my heart. Yes, He does. And when He finds it in the right condition, what's He do? He shows you His covenant. Because that is the fear of the Lord when people want to be changed. That's what it means, Psalms 50, 23, to order our lives. I, I want my life to be ordered right. I want to live right. Cornelius was one of them. He wanted to do right. He was doing right as much as he knew to do right. But in God's eyes, it wasn't right, so he had to send him Peter to preach the gospel who not only made what he would do right, but make him right. Hallelujah. God saw that heart. He saw the fear of the Lord in that heart. And he showed him his covenant, sent Peter to preach it to him. And what happened to him? His whole house got saved. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. This is the great awakening. We're little nobody preachers. Hear me. We're little nobody backwoods preachers on the backside of nowhere. But God is raising up men and women in little storefronts, house, little home groups. It, you don't have to have no college degree. You ain't got to have no this. or All you got to have is one of these and the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God leading you, pointing you to the one place that He delivers you unto always, which is the death of Jesus. If you'll accept that, you're accepting in his way of life. You've accepted him to save you and to get you into heaven and to keep you out of hell, but will you accept his way of waking you up and delivering you to this one place where he can give you the power to express the one thing he wants to see, and that's his son. That's what he wants to see is his son. And he knows if he can't deliver us unto the death of Jesus, there can be no expression of Jesus in our lives. Hallelujah. This is the great awakening. This is the great awakening. It's been happening for almost 30 years now. We're told as the priest of the new covenant, just like they were of the old covenant, not to let the fire go out. Keep the fire burning. When somebody starts trying to blow on your candle, say, ah! i got to convince you, Gainsayer, we focused on the lamb over here. You can't blow my candle out. Glory be to God. <laughs> You're not going to blow this candle out. It burns from Calvary's tree. Amen. But I'm responsible for keeping it burning in my heart. 
Hallelujah. This is the great awakening. It's the great awakening. Right before the rapture of the church, we're not going to get raptured out mid-trib, post-trib. We're leaving pre-trib. I want you to know the promise in Revelation says that he will deliver those who trust in him in the word of his patience. He said he will deliver us in from the hour of temptation. Not just temptation, but from the hour of temptation. That's a time period that we ain't going to be around. Amen. And right before we get ready to leave, he's trying to wake his church up to breathe life in them again. But the life only comes out of the death of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't let people talk you into trying to look off and look away and we need to do this. No, we need to do what we've done for 18 years and keep doing it more and more and more. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight? Hallelujah. Thank you, precious Lord, for your love. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for the message that saves the lost and keeps your people from wandering all over as vagabonds, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for waking your people up. I thank you, Lord, for raising them from the dead and giving them light. Glory be to God. I thank you for the message that brings life and liberty and light and focus and power and wisdom and everything that we need that allows us to know that your grace is sufficient in the midst of all suffering and weakness and, 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 and all attacks and even from our own flesh, God. Your grace is sufficient because the cross was enough. Hallelujah. Jesus has done this for us and we praise you, Father, for the giving of your Son that you might bring many sons and daughters to glory. Hallelujah to the Lamb. We thank you for the revival. We thank you Lord that we don't need revival in this house but you've you awakened us years ago and some are still being awakened Lord. Some are still learning the great truth and I pray that your people would be found awakening all over the world, every nation tribe and tongue as they gathered, as they come and gather themselves around the sacrifice all over the world Lord, I thank you that we can worship you in spirit and in truth wherever we are. We don't have to be in a certain location. We don't have to be in a certain ministry. We don't have to have any money. Or we can have all the money, but we can worship you. We can worship you. And I thank you that you're teaching us this. I thank you that you brought us back to the place where you can instruct us and teach us and we can find ourselves as witnesses is unto you and a testimony unto all that we've ever known, all the people that we've ever known and will ever meet. I thank you for the power of this, this truth. I thank you for the faith that you've given us, Lord, that's being heard of all over the land. I, I thank you for the great awakening, Lord, in these last few moments where you're making sure that you're, those who claim to be your people have oil in their lamp. They're not just looking and waiting, but they have oil in their lamps. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you, even for this word tonight, for reminding us, Lord, that if you are allowed to awaken us, it's because you've been allowed to bring us back to sound doctrine and the place of enduring it and removing ourselves from those who just want to gather up and hear something that tickles our ears and makes us feel good about ourselves. Lord, help us 
us. Help us as your people. Oh, help us, Lord, as your people to be a people who are not just alive but living in Christ Jesus. A people not who just have access to everything, but are accessing all things that we have in Christ. And we thank you tonight, Lord God. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. I pray, Lord, where the, the candle seems to be have grown dim in some lives, Lord, that, oh, at one time we're burning bright for this great truth, Lord, and this problem and that problem and this disagreement and all this stuff stuff begins to move in and 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 put try to put the fire out lord i pray god that what we had in the beginning won't hold a candle to what we have now as you have surely added to our lives you've enlarged our hearts uh, and filled them with more truth than ever before as you guide us into all truth hallelujah to the lamb if you want to gather around this altar tonight and just ask the lord to rekindle that fire and to pour his spirit out upon you if you want to gather around this altar and just worship the Lord if you want prayer come and let us pray come and let us believe God we can call on him and he hears and when he hears he doesn't just sit there hallelujah thank you Lord for your goodness thank you for what you're pouring out Lord the spirit of truth in these last days for pouring out of your spirit the truth of your son oh hallelujah we thank Thank you for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Oh, we pray that they'd be more prominent and prevalent in the church today, Lord, and less abused. Oh, we thank you for the truth. Oh, we thank you for the anointing, which is the truth, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing in Brother Jimmy's life and through him, Lord. Your evangelical gift, your gift of evangelism resting in his heart and on his life, Lord, and those who are being affected by you through what you've called him to do. We thank you for those open doors. Hallelujah. We thank you for using him. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you for what you're doing in the lives of those who are under attack tonight, being attacked by the enemy. And we just pray, Lord, tonight for your touch on our dear sister right here. Lord, all the things that she puts before you, Lord, I thank you that you hear every bit of it. I thank you that you know about every bit of it. I thank you that you're faithful and you're faithful to show yourself faithful on my sister's behalf, to show yourself strong on her behalf, to bring her through everything that shows itself as something that will slow her down or stop her or move her away from the truth. I thank you for showing her that your faithfulness is all that she needs, your faithfulness, and that you've proven that faithfulness to her in your son on Calvary's tree. And I thank you for your touch upon her body, soul, and spirit tonight. Hallelujah to the Lamb. I thank you, Lord, for touching Allie and touching Brother Ron and Rosa, touching Gladys and Gwen, touching Brother Dewey, those others who are struggling, Brother, uh, 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 Lord, uh, everybody in this place, we thank you for your touch upon our bodies.
We thank you for, Lord, wholeness. We can rejoice right in the midst of anything weak in our bodies, any infirmities, Lord. They don't control us. They don't have power over us. You're the one that purchased us by your own blood. We agree with you tonight that your grace is sufficient. And we pray, Lord, for every person in this room tonight and every person that's watching online. Lord, that if we got something going on and we need your help, I thank you for that help tonight. We know where it comes from. And we're trusting in that right hand of the Lord. Hallelujah. We're, thank, we're thanking you tonight for your healing touch and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We thank you tonight, Lord. And again, we declare that your grace is sufficient, that your strength is made perfect in our weakness. And we rejoice because you're teaching us these great truths that become so dear and precious to our hearts. I thank you for bringing us out of all that you brought us out of. And Lord, I thank you for keeping us out of all that you brought us out of and giving us grace not to go back to anything other, anything other than what you did for us 2,000 years ago. We stand there in that place. We look upon that great mirror of Calvary and behold that glorious image that you're changing us into by your Spirit. We thank you for eyes that see and ears that hear and hearts that desire to be changed. Those hearts that you see that desire to be changed, you've promised, Lord, that you would show them your covenant. Oh, that you would cause them to see your covenant. Oh, to partake of it. We thank you tonight. We thank you for allowing us to be a part of the great awakening, the great truth, the great revival, the great outpouring that men have talked about for years, though they had it pictured in their minds wrong. But Lord, I thank you here too and there too. Here a few and there a few. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for those that you find who want to see their lives changed. Those that tired of the burden of sin. Oh, those that are tired of the bondages in the chains. And Lord, I know that you'll put the gospel before them and I know that they'll hear it and they'll believe it and you'll receive them into your kingdom. And I pray that be, Lord, the case all over the Oklahoma text. And we pray tonight for those who know this great truth but who've been carried off through the lust of their own flesh and being devoured by the enemy. I thank you, Lord, for their return tonight. I thank you for not to me, not to this group of people, but their return to you, their return to the endurance of sound doctrine, their return to that place where you're seated at the table with them, their return to that place where it's not about what we think but that sound doctrine that you've given us in the Word of God. We thank you tonight, Lord, for your presence and your power. We thank you, Lord, for clouds with rain that teach us how to look and recognize the clouds that have no rain. We thank you, Lord God, for giving us eyes to see the truth that pictures righteousness but also shows us where there's nothing but deceit. We thank you, Lord, for that gift of discernment tonight. And we ask for the increase of all that you are in us and all that you desire to do through us. We ask for the increase of that tonight. And we give you all the praise for it. In the precious name of Jesus, everybody said amen. Amen. Somebody say, I love Jesus.
Hallelujah. Jesus loves you. Glory be to God. I'll see you Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Until then, stay determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified.